Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of August 11th, 2020. And this is officially episode number 446. And this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons. And we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. And I'm back. So uh, if you tuned in last week, well, there wasn't a show last week. So you were probably listening to... uh, an old show. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I took a, a week off a little health issue and, uh, you know, in this day and age, anything goes wrong. It's, uh, it's an exclamation point with, uh, COVID-19 and, you know, panic around all that and hospitals and other clinics being uh, short staffed and shorthanded and, and everything else that goes along with this, uh, pandemic that continues to roll on. Uh, But this week, we do have two weeks' worth of news kind of crammed together for your entertainment. Uh, We also have, um, let's see, we got a book of the week this week. So I have a newer book as well. I've been trying to get some newer stuff on the show uh, since we took a few years off of doing a book in the week and trying to update that site. uh, A lot of good information, a lot of great books. On the site, we'll talk more about that when we hit that segment. Uh, so tonight we do have some alligator news. I don't know; it's it's the new it's the new cougar news. I used to be really into the mountain lion stuff, uh, but you don't hear too much of that anymore out east. So it seems like the alligators have taken over. Uh, we uh, also have a new Bigfoot movie that debuts today. We'll talk about that and. Crop circles are back in the news. I, I I don't understand it. This seems like a it's a really big year for crop circles. And we'll also talk about some Western U.S. UFO sightings that are keeping some people guessing. And at the end of the show tonight, I've got some homework for you. Yes, sometimes I assign some homework. Don't worry, there's no tests on this, but I'm going to give you a little bit of homework that you can do tonight or actually tomorrow morning. And um, you might find some interesting results from this. So stay tuned at the end of the show uh, around 9 o'clock tonight for some really cool information. Uh, But between that and uh, then and now, we have a little bit of news and information. Uh, Small anomalous notes here. Uh, I haven't really done a very good job of keeping the uh, events page up to date on paranewsinsider.com with all the major changes that have been going on and on and on uh, with uh, cancellations and and events pushed to 2021. And it's just been such a mess. Uh, So I've kind of ignored it a little bit. Uh, It seems like the dust is settling and the events that are going on or taking place one way or another. And again, my biggest recommendation, I've been saying this for quite a while, is uh, be very careful and be very mindful of the cancellation policy. If you do 
decide to put down some money to go to one of these paranormal conferences or conventions due to the fact that they could be uh, canceled at, at any moment. And, you know, we've seen that quite a bit throughout the year. And uh, a lot of people are very hopeful that these events will take off. And then all of a sudden there's some mandates that uh, prohibit these events due to the number of people. But uh, I know a lot of events are kind of working their way around all this stuff now. And um, actually I'm setting one up for myself, which I'm kind of excited for. My my slate got just a, completely erased within uh, wasn't probably the end of April that uh, my entire calendar was wiped clean. Uh, but I do have one on October 12th, but this will be a virtual. So it's going to be uh, completely online, which is great. I don't have to drive two and a half hours. Well, really two hours. I can do it from the comfort of my home. So uh, it'll be just like here, pretty much. Uh, but I'm excited to do this. It's the Westerville Public Library, and I've done 12 consecutive – well, I haven't done 12 consecutive years yet. I've done 11 consecutive years. This year will be the 12th. Uh, a couple of times I've appeared there twice in a year. So uh, one of my favorite libraries. It's going to be a, a shame that I won't be able to visit it this year unless I drive down there, I suppose. Uh, but uh, this year's presentation will be – virtual and as far as the uh the topic i honestly have no idea yet it might be ghosts or it might be cryptids i think i'm leaning more towards going back to ghost stuff i think it's uh i've done a lot of cryptid stuff in the last couple of years as well as ufo stuff but uh as we get closer when i get a little bit more information if i'm able to i'll send out the link to watch that or you'll be able to uh, sign up for it uh, through the Westerville Public Library website. Looking forward to that. I love that library and I'm looking forward to actually doing something like this. I'm supposed to do this um, live in person for uh, <laughs> for the paranormal as well as my job, but I haven't been able to because of COVID-19. So you guys are my only outlet for uh, talking about things. So anyway, check out the events listing at paranewsinsider.com. Click on the events tab at the top. And uh, with that being said, we're going to jump into the news. And we have a little bit of cryptid news tonight, but yeah, a lot of it's alligator stuff. And I know some people are like, wait a minute, alligators aren't cryptids. Uh, but when they do show up in places like Chicago, Illinois, uh, they are cryptid, and, and some people don't really like the definition of um, the out-of-place animals because, especially in this case, yes, they are definitely released. But I just think it's the whole surprise of these stories, and you don't expect it. And I can tell you uh, I've done quite a bit of kayaking and swimming in lakes and reservoirs uh, all over Ohio, Pennsylvania, and uh, a number of other states here in the Northeast and you never really think about it. You never expect it. You think about maybe snapping turtles or something like that or, or fish, but uh, never an alligator. But it is possible. And, you know, I mentioned Chicago, Illinois. Uh, another alligator was seen swimming in the waters near Chicago during the week, the last week 
rather, of July. And you probably remember last year uh, when I started covering all these alligator stories, we had a big one. Well, pretty big alligator, five foot long alligator who uh, ended up being nicknamed Chance the Snapper by a contest online. Uh, was captured by Alligator Rob from Florida, uh, who ended up becoming probably more famous than the alligator. Is probably in the story more than uh, this this uh, this poor little alligator, Chance. Uh, Chance was discovered in a lagoon in Humboldt Park, just a few miles west of downtown Chicago. Well, this year uh, happened about a half-hour drive south of the Windy City in Linwood, Illinois, at Lake Linwood. Uh, the lake is man-made and is surrounded by condos. So I'm guessing the alligator probably came from somebody that lives in the condos? It's my guess. Should hire me at the police department. Um, so it's made of multiple, I, I guess you'd call it fingers. And the water basically fills in the areas between the roads and, and the condo area. I looked at it on Google Maps just to see it. It's just, you know, it's just kind of taking up the area, the, the blank spots between the condos. Um, probably just a water runoff area and a mosquito infestation trap. Uh, the alligator was spotted by a resident on Wednesday, July 29th in the afternoon coming out of a storm drain. Firefighters showed up to attempt to capture it, but were unable to. They warned the public to stay away, uh, more to keep the alligator from getting scared, as they know it would uh, potentially not take bait if it were scared. Now, Alligator Bob from the Chicago Herpetological Society came out to assist with capturing the alligator. And poor Bob, and I've talked about Alligator Bob and in previous stories, and uh, he got snubbed last year. Uh, he's he's a pretty low key guy. Doesn't really put his name out there too much. Doesn't talk about hey, uh, this is Alligator Bob, and I'm here to uh, find this alligator. It ends up you kind of have to read between the lines. Or some of these stories talk about Alligator Rob, who is in the Chicago area, but helps out in a lot of different states to capture alligators. Uh, he got snubbed last year. He got replaced after a few days trying to catch Chance the Snapper by Alligator Rob. And Rob went on, like I said, he's pretty much a, a minor celebrity there in Chicago. And, uh, you know, got the key to the city, got to turn on the fountains. He's got a couple of books. He's got a new book coming out, too, by the way. I'll have to get uh, get my hands on that. That'll be a book of the week as well. Actually, should do his, his other book as a book of the week. I don't think I've ever done that one. Uh, traps were set to try to catch this latest alligator in Lake Linwood using chicken legs. Might get me in there, too. Uh, the gator was captured late Thursday night, and I do have a picture of the gator. And um, somewhere in here, get it in the chat room for you guys so you can see it. There he is. And he's, uh, I didn't mention this, he's uh, got a nickname. So he's hes not really that big. He's about three and a half feet. Uh, he's not quite, you know, a, a killer. But three and a half feet that probably take out a cat, maybe a small dog, uh, 
injure a toddler and if you let your baby run into the water, uh, it might get hurt too. Uh, the alligator was nicknamed Alex by a local boy. I don't know where he got the name from. And so far, the sex of the alligator has not been determined. Uh, it's a little difficult to do. If you know anything about alligators, when they're about this old, it's kind of hard to uh, determine sex. But Alex, eh, don't don't fear. It's a, kind of a unisex name, so there should be no issue calling it Alex. So the kid's probably smarter than he than he thinks. Um, although being 2020, that alligator can identify as whatever it wants to. So there's no question there. Uh, Alex is being held at an undisclosed location and will be quarantined for 30 days, probably not for COVID. Just doesn't want, you know, you don't want to spread disease because this thing's been slopping around in a storm retention pond for who knows how long. Uh, so 30 days under quarantine, he'll be shipped to, well, it'll be shipped. I don't know if it's a he or she. Um it's going to be transferred to a licensed reptile park somewhere in the southern United States. Again, this is more than likely somebody's pet that was uh, discarded because they couldn't take care of it anymore. Too many chicken legs. Yeah, so, you know, I, I say this all the time, but I think this is very important. Having so many of these stories, uh, people are just doing the same thing over and over again. So if you have an alligator, you know somebody who has an alligator and they can't take care of it, reach out to somebody. Um, many states will have no questions asked. You're not going to get fined uh, if you're trying to do the right thing. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of states are, they're not going to press charges or do anything. But if you do dump it and they do figure out it's you, you're in a lot of trouble. And, you know, it's just not fair to the alligator. Uh, they can't fend for themselves in cold water come this fall. And, again, people are not used to seeing those in, in the Chicago area. Well, getting more and more used to them in Chicago and, and some other states. But uh, so people don't really know how to react to those. And it's putting the alligator in danger as well as the general public. So it's really not the right call to just uh, – Chuck it out your window or let it run loose. Um, reach out to somebody. You know, I'm sure there's far more reptiles that are never seen, that never make the news, that die in the waters up north and that are, that are ever really talked about. So it's pretty sad to me that these things happen, but it seems like it's happening more and more. Let me get the link to that story in the chat room, but never fear. If you're not listening live in chat, uh, these links will be available throughout the week. After the show, I generally post one, uh, pretty much one a day. I don't get too carried away with it. I don't like to inundate people with 15, 20 links a day. So I try to spread it out about one a day between now and next week's show, just so you can kind of uh, get some of the links to the show. And it's not always the same ones that you're going to see on the other paranormal news sites, such as the Anomalous or Unexplained Mysteries uh, I try to get down to the original source material or one that's uh, as updated as I can get or one that actually updates you uh, frequently if I'm going to stick it on there a few days from now. So also in alligator news, yes, that's right. But wait, there's more. Yes, I've talked about uh, a lot more of these random alligator sightings in the northeastern United States 
uh, since last year. And we've had some interesting places where these abandoned or escaped alligators have shown up. But this week, we add a new state to the list, not even in the Northeast. It's out West. It's Idaho. Yes, the land of potatoes. Uh, the Nampa Police Department in Idaho. Uh, Nampa, that's N-A-M-P-A, which is a weird city. Uh, it's about 20 miles west of Boise. Never been there. Uh, they received a 911 call that an alligator was under a man's camp trailer in his backyard. Uh, Corporal Tana Merrick, who has been with the department for 20 years, says he's never seen an alligator. And told USA Today that, quote, our first instinct was, obviously, this guy's either crazy or has some kid's float toy out of a swimming pool because we don't have alligators here. Unquote. Uh, uh, You know, and that's a general typical reaction to this. You don't you'd never think that. These stories are real. There's there are a lot of cases of misidentification, a lot of. Tiger and lion sightings end up being stuffed animals, believe it or not. And uh, there's been a few alligators where people put little little r- robot things or those those pool floats and and rivers and lakes. Uh, so you know, especially in Idaho, you, you're going to be a little skeptical about this. But uh, they did show up. Uh, police officers and members of the Idaho Department of Fish and Game, and they did find a six foot long alligator on the property. That's a big boy. That's not one you really want to play around with. And those, when you hit about six feet, uh, that's a danger to humans. Uh, those things can kill. Uh, the alligator had escaped from a temporary cage created by the Idaho Reptile Zoo. So it's not a, like a big zoo. It's like some probably somebody's backyard. Uh, it's currently closed and going through renovations. And the alligator escaped its enclosure and made it uh, about less, just less than a half mile away which is pretty scary when you think about it. It could have gone anywhere and it might have disappeared. Luckily, this person found it. Uh, And this highlights a couple of points. Again, always be aware of your surroundings. You never know what might be in your backyard or in your local lake or river. And in addition to that, you you never know what animals are housed near you. Exotic, dangerous animals right down your street. You have no idea, especially alligators. Somebody might have it in their basement, could have it in their backyard, might have it in their bathtub or other stuff in their bathtub. I don't know. Uh, but uh, scary stuff nonetheless. And I think it's just really interesting to uh, to talk about those stories. I, I know it's on the fringe of the paranormal, but again, strange animal sightings uh, always cryptid like to me. So here's another link there in the chat room for you for that story and well let's talk bigfoot huh we haven't had a a nice bigfoot story in a while and well we uh still don't have a good bigfoot story but i did find one small nugget to share tonight and you know it's gosh it's been so long since a, a decent bigfoot story has come out we've i've seen a few this year that have like people put out the statues of Bigfoot, they get stolen. seems like there's a lot of those. Uh, I used to talk about those, but it's just, it seems like every month somebody's put out APB for a, a stolen Bigfoot uh, 
statue. Uh, but a new movie was released today that's got Bigfoot in it. That's exciting. Um, it's kind of a low-budget thriller, uh, kind of a, a horror movie. And if you watch the trailer, it's really exhilarating. It, it gets your heart pounding, and you get really excited about this. Uh, it seems to me that Bigfoot is the centerpiece there of the trailer. But the movie, however, I've read a few reviews. People have already left reviews uh, in different places about this movie, even though it just came out today. Uh, a lot of people are disappointed in this, uh, especially in regards to the Bigfoot appearances, which are few and very far in between. And the movie is called Monstrous. Monstrous. It's, it, it, from what I read, again, it, it focuses more on a, uh, a romance, uh, you know, uh, focusing on one woman, but a romance uh, with her and, and another woman. Uh, and just a little bit of Bigfoot sprinkled in just to keep it scary. You know, and so it's, it's kind of, you know, it used to be that sex was enough to sell a movie, but now you got to throw in Bigfoot to, to try to sell a movie. But I don't know. It's um, probably not very high on my list of movies, but I figured I'd pass it along. And I really doubt this movie is going to end up uh, a top Bigfoot movie. Uh, but if you've exhausted your library of movies and shows, which which I know I have, I've watched everything from uh, Umbrella Academy to uh, a lot of other shows, movies on Netflix have caught up with everything. I've watched everything three times, it seems like. And uh, yeah, if you've exhausted your library, then maybe here's an option. Again, that's monstrous. Came out today. It's a, pretty much a direct to video release. Uh, you could buy the DVD online for $11.99 on Amazon. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. It's not streaming on Amazon. It's not streaming on Netflix, and it's not streaming on Hulu. So I think you gotta, I think you gotta buy the DVD. But uh, I know some people have already seen it, so it's got to be out there somewhere. I just didn't find it in my very short search for monstrous and. Well, I guess I'll throw the link in there to that in the chat room as well. Uh, the Amazon link if you're interested in checking out this video. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. Somebody had to see it. There you go. And what do we got? Where are we at? Uh, we're going to transition now to UFO news. And we've got some crop circles which is weird. This this is like we've gone entire years of not talking about crop circles at all. And all of a sudden, uh, we've had a flurry of UFO, uh, I'm sorry, uh, crop circles stories here. And I, I tend to put them in the UFO arena because of the typical response to crop circles, which is that they were created by aliens or at least UFOs. Uh, so a mysterious crop circle appeared sometime in the early hours of Monday, July 27th in a wheat field near a small town southwest of Munich, Germany. It's kind of odd to hear about crop circles in Germany, but I'm sure there's a lot of wheat out there for making some good old German beer. 
Uh, it said that it uh, suddenly appeared in the four and a half hours between midnight and sunrise. Uh, but purportedly, this was just a quote from a visitor to the site. So don't know exactly when the crop circle appeared. Uh, but the crop circle generated quite a bit of locals and tourists visiting the site over the first couple of days of its discovery. Um, especially when you put it on social media. Uh, when you put it on social media, uh, of course people are going to show up. And, you know, people are bored. They don't have a whole lot to do. And, of course, they're going to check out a crop circle, especially in Germany, where you, you don't really get that many. Well, at least not that many are reported. But uh, in the chat room, I've thrown a picture of that. It's pretty cool. I mean, it looks pretty intricate, but it's it's it is, but it isn't. Uh, I guess. Uh, yeah. Although crop circles uh, are more than likely not created by UFOs or probably aliens, unless they got ropes and boards out there. Um, it's pretty much one of the leading out of this world explanations for crop damaging formations. It's the automatic leap. Everybody thinks it's extraterrestrials. Uh, one article from the International Business Times states that some feel the crop circles are created by localized and precise wind patterns or energy exposure. Although the wind and energy methods are highly doubted by scientists, and there's no other evidence of this occurring anywhere else. So again, many feel this; these are just messages from extraterrestrials using codes that are supposedly more advanced than our computers to speak to us. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. It's all about math. These crop circles, they're all round and contain mostly circular patterns within. This is important since this can be created easily by pretty much staking a central point in the ground and then using simple objects like ropes and boards to create intricate shapes in a very short period of time, especially in the dark. If you look closely at this latest crop circle, you can see quite a few inconsistencies in the intricate outer shape. So it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. There's there's tiny variations that, that are a dead giveaway that it wasn't staked out correctly and um, just not perfect. Uh, so, yeah, math comes down to and a lot of planning and you can do a circle like that you could probably do in about two or three hours with the small crew of people it doesn't take that long it's not that hard i've seen plenty of videos watch people do it uh, demonstrated time and time again uh, there's many ways to fool people uh, about this and for many many years um doug bowler and dave chorley who i've talked about on the show uh, sadly they've both passed away uh but uh, they're both known as Doug and Dave. Essentially, they started the UK centralized crop circle phenomena. Uh, interestingly, after they got back from, uh, I think it was Doug that got back from, I'm sorry, no, Dave got back from a trip to Australia and heard about crop circles down there. Uh, but they gave birth to seriologists. Seriologists are the people who study crop circles and basically a cult following in the 1980s. Uh, they came clean in 1991 about faking hundreds of circles, and they pretty much created the culture. And when they came out and said that, yeah, we've been faking these circles for years, 
Uh, there was a lot of uh, backlash about that and, you know, people coming forward with, uh, well, we have this evidence and these stalks were bent, not broken. And we've gotten uh, radiation and we've gotten uh, these pictures of orbs and all these other things. Uh, but it's all circumstantial. You know, anything, anything there. And there was, uh, there's a few I read about, about heat. I didn't catch the weed on fire, but it, it just burned it. Well, I don't know what the explanation was to that. Uh, but most of these crop circles are created by people. Um, it's become a, a pretty big boon in the advertisement area as well. But uh, ones like this in Germany, uh, no one's come forward to admit that they've done it. And I think part of that reason is because it's destruction of private property. And a lot of people don't take uh, too kindly to that. Um, but this particular farmer, which a lot of them are like this, they let people on their fields anyway. I don't know if they're making T-shirts or what they're doing, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are uh, trampling your, your crops. And uh, by now, this, this one is gone. It's been harvested. Uh, and the most interesting piece of this entire story is that the circle came six years to the day that a crop circle was discovered by a balloonist less than 10 miles from the current circle. So what does that mean? Uh, to me, I think this signals human intervention. I mean, there's no coincidence. There's no, no, you know, chance of these two six years apart perfectly timed on the same date. I mean, a balloonist found it, but it could have been days prior to uh, the circle's formation uh, or the one that we currently see might have. They might have missed it by a few days. Plus, we've had two leap years, 2016 and this year. And, you know, I've always wondered this when you talk about anniversary type stuff, especially especially with UFOs and things. I mean, do aliens buy calendars and keep track of human measurement of time? I mean, do they do they know that? I mean, yeah, we we can. uh track the sun and, and the moon and all that stuff, and it's all timed up. But are they doing that, saying, hey, you know, let's, let's throw a crop circle here. Let's wait uh, six rotations, and we'll throw another one, see if they notice, see if anybody puts that together. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't get too excited about aliens visiting Germany uh, anytime soon, maybe in, in October. I know that's when I'd want to go for certain. We throw that link to that story in the chat room. And maybe cut off the end there so it appears. And there it is. And again, all these links that I'm talking about throwing in the chat room uh, are going to be on the social media platforms for the Paranormal News Insider, which includes Facebook which is Paranews Insider, and Twitter, which is at Paranews Insider, and, of course, the home of the Paranormal News Insider, paranewsinsider.com. You can also get those social media links directly from the website because it is 2020, and we have these newfangled uh, apps, apps that uh, are on your phone and things like that, so it's, I'm all trying to be all hip and cool here with my socials, 
Yeah, I'm old and out of date. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so more crop circle news. It might be a record year. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to be a record year in crop circles. Um, but I know, I've done a little research and I, it appears I'm wrong. It's just these stories are just popping through because the paranormal news has been uh, pretty lame this year, I think. Not a lot of controversy, not a lot of mass UFO sightings, not a lot of um, hoaxes, giant hoaxes of, of Bigfoot stuff. couple, but not a lot. So it's been pretty boring this year. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a coincidence. It seems like there's a lot of crop circles sightings, and there's a lot of people that are bored at home. I don't know. Two and two together, you get crop circles. Uh, so an interesting series of circles were discovered surrounding a tree in Wiltshire, England, back on August 4th. Kind of a unique situation there. It wasn't really an intricate design, I don't think, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but I'll let you be the judge. Got a picture of that I'll throw in to chat. It's Wiltshire. Boom, there it is. And you click on that picture and it'll... Probably won't get too much bigger than that, but it's surrounding that tree right there in the middle. Tie a rope around a tree. It's pretty easy. You don't even need a stake. But uh, it's a flattened area around the tree if you're not uh, in the chat room. So there's a there's a tree in the middle. There's a flattened area around the tree with another ring a little bit further out. And two more rings about twice the distance from the first two with the whole circle surrounded by four small circles uh, around the tree. So it's really not that intricate of a design, pretty basic, um, but it looks it looks pretty good. It's a little, little inconsistencies, but it uh, looks pretty good. And they're, they're always on the tram lines, so there's no footprints. Uh, the website cropcircleconnector.com has gathered 35 confirmed crop circles this year with 10 rumors of circles, so these aren't substantiated by photographs or uh, data. And all these from around the world, and that's as of today. So, August 11th, 35 confirmed circles. Now, last year had a total of 42 circles and 12 rumors. 2018 had 37 circles and nine rumors. 2016 had 53. Confirmed 2015 had 65 and 2014, the record 83 crop circles, 2014. So we'll see. Uh, 2020 has got a ways to go. I uh, don't think they're going to make the record uh, here. Uh, well, at least for cropcircleconnector.com, but that's still uh, quite a bit of crop circles. And let me get the link to that story in the chat. Boomity boom. Boomity boom. So, whoa, that's too many W's. WWW. And let's see, we got, uh, well, we got a couple more UFO stories. Last week, there was a little bit of panic over a UFO setting in the skies near Denver, Colorado. Witnesses were concerned with a near-clear object 
that was moving very slowly and very high up in the sky back on August 3rd. Too high to be a balloon. Well, too high to be a regular balloon. But uh, some people were a little concerned, a little shaken. They, they called police. They called the news. And CBS4 photojournalist Jeremiah Belisle captured an image of the strange object and luckily was using a good camera to do so. I shared it on Twitter and asking what the object might be. And of course, this generated a lot of Internet experts leaping forward, giving their explanations and uh, really getting to the heart of the problem. Um, so it ranged from obviously a UFO to a party balloon. But the explanation ended up being even more loony than that, pun intended. At first, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, had no idea what the object was. Uh, they were not aware of any flight of any a balloon or any other object in that airspace, uh, which always, this, this has happened before, uh, it always furthers more speculation about this being a genuine UFO uh, but a close-up of the object shows a very similar sight to many we have covered in UFO stories of the past here on the show. Uh, turned out to be more than likely, it appears to be, one of Google's high-altitude balloons known as Project Loon. And, whoops, didn't mean to do that. I'll show you a picture of this, uh, kind of a close-up picture. and It's weird. It's almost like Deja vu. Every time we talk about one of these balloon pictures, it's it's almost the same picture. If somebody's got a decent camera, and that's a pretty decent camera because uh, that's pretty high up. But you can see the actual balloon shape and the equipment hanging down there in the middle. So, yeah, Project Loon. Uh, it's not your typical weather balloon. It's the internet. It's internet. Get used to that stuff. And do have a link to that as well. Get that put in the chat room for your consumption. Careful if you chew on it, though. You might want a little uh, condiment, maybe ketchup. I don't know what goes good with the link. And last story. So one last story here in the UFO arena comes from a purported UFO caught on video. And I really don't like talking about these too much because it's to me this was really easy to debunk, but it's, it's actually been in uh, some big news stories. It's been covered on coast to coast. It's been um, talked about. By a lot of people, there's a lot of uh, YouTube videos with the, you know, the YouTube UFO experts all coming forward, explaining that this is definitely a UFO. And I'm always a little bit skeptical of, well, maybe a little bit more skeptical than normal of purported UFOs being seen during news footage. More often than not, there's a really simple, logical solution to these stories. And uh, this one, I, I don't think is any different. So this uh, video occurred during the filming of an NBC nightly news segment on the Navajo Nation battling a water crisis in addition to the COVID-19 pandemic. The segment appeared on 
August 3rd, and eagle-eyed viewers spotted a UFO. So when I seen, there's a particular scene that opens. Uh, there's a woman singing and, and playing a drum. Uh, she's standing there, and you can see the sky behind her. Suddenly, in the sky to her, to her, well, her left, but our right as we're looking at her, uh, you see a white object zoom from a cloud through the sky behind her. And, you know, it's weird. A lot of people think it's an airplane, but I don't think it's an airplane. It's it's an all-white object, you know, pill-shaped or, dare I say, tic-tac. Oh, there's that word. Uh, no word on who found this object while watching this uh, uh, obviously somebody who's a big fan of the uh, NBC Nightly News. I was, is that what maybe they were watching Wheel of Fortune and they just kind of tuned in at the wrong time? I don't know. Um, but the uh, whoever found this object reported it to MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, and of course that uh, story kind of got a little bit bigger. I don't know if MUFON published it or what, but it made its way to. Uh, the Coast to Coast website, like I mentioned, and the news section, courtesy of Tim Banal. Uh, the claim was also made that the UFO was headed directly for Area 51. Yes, it uh, got caught on TV heading back home. Um, <clears throat> wow. So, you know, genuine UFO right there on video. No explanation, right? Well, that's where I come in. So good news, MUFON. If you're listening, uh, I can solve this case for you pretty quick uh, if you guys haven't figured it out. Uh, just like a whole lot of videos, this one can be easily solved by a really simple thing called lens flare. I know, I know. Lens flares become the 21st century version of swamp gas. I get it, but I've got proof. Uh, and I got proof in a picture that I'll show here. On... Oh, in the chat room. I guess on the chat room. Probably more precise. So here is the clip, part of the clip in question. And you can see uh, the, the blue circle, because I don't believe in red circles. Everybody else has red circles. I got blue circles. It's what I believe in. Um, <clears throat> so here's this lady. And she's beating like this little drum in her hand. Uh, you see these weird objects there on the left. Uh, those are ropes that another guy's kind of like jumping through. It's kind of cool, actually. Uh, it's a continuation of the video. You'll see that they focus on the guy. Uh, but that little circle, within that little circle, there's a, a white, again, tic-tac or a pill shape or whatever you want to call it. And it moves from the clouds on the right. So it's moving right to left across the screen. Now, what um, a lot of people aren't looking at is the uh, lens flare that's occurring in the lower left area of that shot. It's kind of hard to see, uh, but I put an arrow toward uh, a spot on her black shirt that you can see the bright area from some sort of lens flare. Uh, it doesn't look completely sunny, but there must be something, some sort of reflection or some sunlight on that part, and it does reflect. Now, the proof comes in not just because of that, but uh, if you watch the video, 
you'll see that uh, the camera starts to pan in. So it starts to move in on on her very slowly. Um, but as, as the camera starts to move in, the object starts to move left. So this, uh, you know, I'm certain that if the camera were to pan out, which I'm sure there's footage of that somewhere that can, they could really debunk this quickly if they wanted to, uh, you would see the object move to the right. And so it's basically just a reflection caused by the, the lens flare. And I've seen this quite a bit, especially in these professional cameras, uh, these, these tiny reflections that come off of the lens. Uh, so very explainable situation. Um, not a UFO. You know, it's funny reading this because they were all talking about uh, why? Why did nobody, all those people in the news and all the Indians standing there and nobody saw this giant UFO fly over their heads? Well, there's a reason for that. And again, I'm sure if there was subsequent video, um, I'm sure there's some on the cutting room floor of this that the camera pans in and out and does different things in this particular uh, angle here that we would definitely see that lens flare again. Um, let's see that I, I put the, uh, well, let me put the link to that story. You can watch the video in question. Let's see, I think it's in this link. Got a couple of links. Got a whole bunch of links to some of these stories. Because uh, whenever I gather my information, I want to keep my resources. Sometimes I go back and visit these stories, especially at the end of the year for the wrap-up. It's going to be a fun year for that. And that will bring us to the book of the week. Now, the book of the week, I've not uh, not had a book of the week in a couple of shows. And... You know, I might not have one every week. Uh, I've got like over 130 books for Book of the Week. Granted, some are magazines, and not all of them are. Um, not all of them are all paranormal, exactly paranormal. But uh, a lot of cryptozoology books, uh, UFO-related books. I got ghosts and uh, psi-related books. I uh, started a new section this year on regional ghost books, which seems to be a, uh, a pretty big and expanding area. And I may hopefully have some more of those in the near future. Uh, general paranormal stuff and also kind of like a generic category of science, psychology, miscellaneous stuff. Uh, very little. I've got one book of fiction. I'm not really looking to add to too much fiction. I want to keep it. Um, more books that can help people investigate, research, what have you, or understand all these strange things that are, are occurring around us. And this list also inc includes the uh, six books that I've written over, uh, I think, about 10 years me to, to write six books. I need to get my rear end in gear and keep writing. Um, but we'll see about that. But uh, I'm trying to add to the to the books with the book of the week, but uh, pretty much all the, the best books I've got are on that list. So I'm trying to get some new ones 
uh, trying to read some ones that uh, I've, I've had, but just not had time to read and get uh, get some variety up there. And the uh, majority of these books are books that I have read uh, tonight. Again, like I said, we have a book in the UFO arena. Now, this book officially um, came out, uh, I think, about four years ago. Uh, it's its first edition. Uh, but it's been updated and expanded and re-released as a second edition, which came out on July 25th of this year. So you think about it, ghost books. So there's a lot of ghost books out there that talk about ghost experiences or sightings uh, that have happened in, in different places and firsthand, secondhand, thirdhand, and my cousin's uncle's brother's sister's neighbor saw this kind of stories, uh, which I'm not really a huge fan of. I'm not really a big fan of those types of books, but um, it's still interesting to to hear about things and read about these different things. But but what about firsthand accounts of UFOs? You don't really see too many books on that subject. UFO books generally focus on pretty much the debate of the topic. What are they? Uh, are they UFOs? Are they swamp gas? What what could they be? Or cataloging sightings, but not from the firsthand account witnesses. They they uh, they don't really seem to focus on the person that saw them. They just seem to focus on the uh, you know the culture behind the sightings, not so much the uh, the individual person who's struggling to deal with what they saw. Uh, it's always about, well, this picture is fake or that story is a hoax. Uh, we don't get to know the people behind the sightings. And I think that's really important if you want to understand how to unravel these types of sightings, whether it's UFOs, ghosts, um, or even cryptids. A lot of times the answer to whether it's real or not uh, comes from that person that's telling the story. Now to that person, you can't say that what they saw wasn't what they saw because that's their interpretation. Now, they could have been wrong, but they did see what they said they saw because that's their perception of what the events were. Um, maybe they saw the planet Venus, but to them, they definitely saw a UFO. So you can't discount their narrative because they saw what they saw, and that's their interpretation. And you can't change that. You can't call them a liar. Uh, but you can't find evidence to prove or to dissuade uh, the fact behind what they did see. But again, whatever they saw, you can't change that. It's what they saw. But uh, this book, this book of the week this week, is called Somewhere in the Skies, A Human Approach to the UFO Phenomenon by Ryan Sprague. And let me get the uh, book cover thrown into the chat room. And uh, again, don't worry, during the week I'll have all of these links put out so you can uh, check this book out. I'm sure you can just Google it, go to Amazon, Somewhere in the Skies, A Human Approach to the UFO Phenomena by Ryan Sprague. Uh, it's an interesting book. Uh, again, it focuses on the witnesses and their sightings more than just the, the bigger bigger picture behind the sightings or the culture behind the sightings, which 
which I really enjoyed, uh, you know, more personal look at these sightings. And Ryan tries his best to be pretty balanced minded as, as best as he can on the topic, it seems like. Uh, but this is obviously more of a true believer book that focuses on the extraterrestrial hypothesis of UFO sightings more than anything. Uh, but there is a, a fair amount of skepticism, um, skeptical viewpoints throughout the book, which helps keep it grounded at the same time. I, th- I thought it was pretty well balanced. I, going into it, I knew, uh, obviously, this is people's firsthand accounts, but um, I was I was happy to, to see a little bit of grounding with this book. And for somebody like me, you know, I've interviewed, I couldn't tell you how many people who have seen UFOs and uh, different other strange things out there. Uh, it's nice to read what witnesses are actually describing. And you can tell this is a, an interview uh, because I've read a lot of narratives from people that have written books. And uh, you can tell it's more than likely been altered to make for a more exciting story. And some of these stories you read about of some of these more popular sightings, they've been altered through time. They've People have added things or uh, multiple witnesses have been put together basically to tell one story. So it's it's no longer a first-person sighting. It's, a, it's multiple people telling that, that same sighting. And it really, to me, kind of waters it down uh, because you're not getting that perspective of that individual person, uh, which I really enjoyed in this book. Uh, so Ryan does sit down with each and every person, does interview them personally, which um, so everybody featured in the book, you know, he interviewed, which is fantastic. And he does a great job conveying that information into, uh, I would consider a very easy to read book. Uh, it took a little bit of time to read, but it's, uh, it's easily digestible, I suppose. And I, I think as, if you're in the UFO uh, topic, you're into uh, different hypotheses, or you're not really sold on any one thing, um, check this book out. I was reading a couple of reviews on this, and it seems like um, most people really had a very high rating for this book, and it seemed like a lot of people really enjoyed it. It's, it's a fresh take. I know I enjoyed it. It's it's it is a fresh take. It's it's not your your typical UFO books, which really do seem to run together after a while. Talk about the same sightings, you know, Roswell and and uh, Gulf Breeze and a slew of other sightings that we've all heard a handful of times uh, over and over. And talking about Majestic Twelve and Project Blue Book and blah, 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 and Kenneth Arnold, blah, blah, blah. Same stuff over and over. The same pictures of hubcaps flying through the air. Uh, But this was really nice, refreshing to hear from people, firsthand accounts of sightings that are not popular, uh, but just individual sightings. I think it's uh, really, really nice and enjoyable. Again, the book's on Amazon for $13.99 or for Kindle. $4.99, $4.99, whatever your preference is. I like the feel of a book in my hands, not a computer. Uh, the book is 284 pages. Again, the book of the week this week. Somewhere in the Skies, A Human Approach to the UFO Phenomena by Ryan Sprague. And I'll get that on the the uh, the website, paranewsinsider.com. And again, you can check out all the books that I've reviewed or talked about here on the show over the last, 
well, I don't know, when did I start that? 2016, I think. So four or five years, however long I've been doing the book of the week. And they're all on there. Uh, there's a link to buy the book. Hopefully most of those still work. I don't know. There's a few I don't think do. Uh, but also the link to where I talk about the book on the show. So again, check that out, paranewsinsider.com and click on the books tab at the top. So I promised you uh, last story tonight. I promised you I'm going to give you homework. I know you're like, whoa, no, 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 no homework. Uh, but trust me, this is good homework. Uh, it's a little exercise. It's a little bit of uh, outdoorsness. Is that a word? Outdoorsness? Well, it is now. Just coined it. Uh, so keep your eyes in the skies tonight as the Perseid Meteor Show begins tonight. Well, it's already began. It's been appearing since July 17th, but the uh, Perseid Meteor Shower peaks tonight. So it did start back in July. Uh, it's going to last until August 24th, but tonight into tomorrow morning, is estimated to be the peak time to see about 45 to 90 meteors per hour. That's pretty good. Especially when you got your head cranked up in the air. It gets a little old a little quick. And obviously, your best bet to see meteors will be to find some dark surroundings. The darker, the better. And also, uh, not cloudy would help. Uh, away from big cities as much as possible. It also helps if you adjust your eyes to darkness before going out. Give yourself about a half hour or more to be able to see in the dark better. Now, we go outside, and after about three to five minutes, we feel like, hey, this is pretty good. I can see I can see in the dark. I can tell that I can see better than I could five minutes ago. But I'm telling you, you give yourself another 20, 25 minutes, and it's astounding in how well you can actually see in the dark. Uh, and it'll help you see these meteors much better. Uh, so just before dawn in North America, this is going to be the best time to view. And you'll want to look north and just above Polaris to see the maximum viewing area. Uh, although meteors may pretty much appear anywhere in the sky. And I've got a little bit of a picture here to kind of put that in perspective here for the Perseids. And that'll show you basically where to look. Uh, looking north on August 12th. And about it says about 4 a.m. local time. Uh, it's pretty much the best time to see it. Uh, it's a little after that, it's going to start getting a little light. So, uh, but again, you can see even if you walked out there right now, but give me one more minute. Just give me another minute. Then you can go outside. Uh, the Perseids are really debris from the comet Swift-Tuttle that cross the Earth's path and disintegrate in the atmosphere well above the surface. I know I've fell prey to the... There, there's a weird phenomenon with meteors that if you when you watch a meteor shower, sometimes people claim that they can hear them, the small ones. That's pretty much, pretty much impossible because these are... Uh, what you're seeing is the size of a dust particle happening way, way high above. It's not going to leave a, a sonic boom at all. You're, you know, those are the big boys, uh, the ones that are size of uh, bigger than a bowling ball. 
that are, uh, you know, those are the ones that you're going to hear, but uh, pretty infrequent. I've heard a, a few sonic booms in my day that uh, were not purportedly not attributed to an airplane, so they were more than likely a meteor. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's weird because I, I could have swore I heard it. But I know I didn't. It's just the mind playing tricks. Of course, uh, meteor showers will sometimes produce UFO sightings due to the flashes of light. Uh, as well as uh, another thing here that I want to talk about. I've never mentioned this. I always forget to talk about this. Um, the fact that people are staring up at the sky creates another weird phenomena that when people are staring at the stars, there's a visual perception that sometimes happens called the autokinetic effect. And I know if it's happened to me, but I'm well aware of what it is. And sometimes you're you're well aware of what's happening when your eyes get tired and you're staring at the sky. Uh, but it's not related to psychokinesis. It's autokinetic. Uh, autokinesis essentially means that a small point of light with little or no reference point can appear to move. This fools a lot of people for a very long time. In fact, the H.G. Wells novel War of the Worlds even appears to mention this phenomenon. So I recommend shifting your gaze occasionally. Uh, and the problem with uh, autokinesis is basically there's no reference point for your, your eyes to focus on. So try to get uh, a reference point at least in your peripheral vision. So a tree or some other structure um, don't stare at stars. You know, the best way to observe something in the dark is to not look directly at it. Let your uh, let your let your eyes uh, see that. If, you know, we're so used to looking in the light, we're staring at an object to see it, uh, but you have a better chance of seeing objects in the dark when you don't look directly at it. Um, and you can use your peripheral to kind of balance that, provide a reference point which keeps these objects from jumping or moving around um, and making you think that you saw a shooting star or meteor. Uh, move your head or body and rest your eyes if they become fatigued, since this is pretty much the cause of the autokinetic effect. So make sure you do your homework tonight, tomorrow morning, get up early, go for a jog and watch the Perseids. So with that being said, I hope to see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, and the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.